And we are back for another episode of the podcast. How's it going today, Maddie? Great to have you today, man. What's going on, Matthew? Great to be back. It's been a while since I talked XFL, but I am ready to go tonight and yes, let it sir. all out, get it all off my chest. <laughs> yes, sir. What, uh, we were talking beforehand. The last XFL content that you came out with was what, May, you said? Yeah, we did our, our postseason special, the, the XFL championship special, the day after we flew back from San Antonio. And uh, since then, been focusing on some other things. But I've been, you know, I've been keeping tabs and pitching in where I can and letting you guys carry uh, until we can all get back in it together uh, soon enough here, hopefully. I like it. Yeah, it's definitely I'm, I'm ready for you to be back for sure. Um Coming in, you know, I started, this was just an audio show, and and really, I watched your show quite extensively compared to others. I felt like you had a very professional approach. Uh, you, you guys were legitimate as it got in terms of an actual show feel. So Spring Ball Boulevard was a big thing for most people. I know, especially XFL fans. I mean, we, we all knew who you were, man. So <laughs> props to you, bro. Yeah, I appreciate that, and I got to give a lot of credit to my producer, Chris Zook, as well. Uh really a two-man team and we had a lot of fun doing it and figured things out along the way and uh, i really appreciate your kind words i know we got the chance to link a couple times once when i was in houston uh what was probably a 95 degree april <laughs> saturday i believe and then again in san antonio in may so yeah it was, it was a lot of fun and uh i miss it i miss it for sure i'm ready for xfl season to come back well, it is coming back soon, sir. I mean, we don't have too long now. I feel like you know we've hit the halfway approach almost, I'd say. Uh, and then plus, you don't have to worry about those DC defenders moving anywhere on you. I bet that makes you feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I think they're pretty solidified in a DMV <laughs> yeah, sports yeah, culture right now. I mean i i can't I can't see DC ever leaving at the at this point. I think they're probably the most successful behind St. Louis. So Agreed. as far as a fan base. <laughs> Agreed. There, there'll be some San Antonio fans argue with you, but I mean, in terms <laughs> of sheer numbers, I think DC definitely had it behind uh, St. Louis, no doubt. Um, I don't know. You went to the San Antonio game. It did. I mean, how did you feel compared to DC about that? We're, we're going to get into some XFL news, but I just want to ask you real quickly. The Alamo Dome is a beautiful facility and it, it's kind of crazy that that's like the, that's a top 10 city in population in the country and, you know, riding around in Ubers when we got there and, and kind of learning the landscape and, and just how big the city is. It, uh, one Uber driver told us it's kind of like four different cities. You know, you have kind of a little taste of everything in each, each corner of the city. And, uh, but yeah, the Alamo Dome is a, a gorgeous facility. Um, I would have loved to get to a Brahma's game there. We didn't get the chance to do that, but thankfully Same. the championship was there because, that was the seventh stop on our tour, I believe. Um, and yeah, I love that. I, it's, it shocks me that an NFL team isn't there. And you can kind of tell the vision that Heinz Ward had for it when he was with the, uh, what was it? The San Antonio commanders back in the uh, AAF. Yeah. And he was working for the AAF back in 2019 and they packed that thing. And you would like to see, I know the Brahmas have some things to figure out on the back end. Uh, there was a, a VP of business. I think that was let go pretty early on and that threw the whole thing off. So I'm excited for them to get back out into San Antonio, but no, it was a great, 
it was a great venue for the championship and uh, interested to see what they'll do for 2024 uh, when it comes to the, the XFL championship game. I know that's something that's kind of up in the air, but um, I wouldn't be shocked if San Antonio had maybe a multi-year deal potentially to host it, but you never know. We'll see. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I know just like walking around, it had a very legitimate feel to it everywhere you went and in, in, in every compartment, every room. I mean, it, it was a little different than the other places I went, but I mean, it was very nice, like you said, and especially the media uh, where, you, where you sit as media in that press box. I mean, you're in the game. It's loud. It's you, you can feel it. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, it definitely had a championship game build and a championship game atmosphere. I think part of that is just kind of being inside, like you're kind of in the dome and, and not like it, it's similar to St. Louis, which is actually another venue that I could see potentially hosting. Um, it, it gives you that big game feel, like nothing against Audi Field. We love it. But Audi Field's like that scrappy blue collar uncle that like shows up to the picnic and is, is just insanely drunk at like 2 p.m. Lemons, you know, beer. You got to button up for the championship game. So uh, I'll take the XFL North title game there every year, but I don't know if we could ever possibly host the championship game. In, in Understood. Field. Understood. That would be insane. Yeah. Um, St. Louis would be a good spot. And that's honestly where I hope to see it next year. I've been there a few times back in the 2020 season and it was epic and, and it's just too far for me now to, to visit reasonably but um yeah. man that was a, a some of the best times i've ever had in my life were at the xfl games but yeah. let's talk about vegas man i mean have you heard anything i mean i know you've been on the wires so tell me what what do you think of the relocation rumors going on i mean i know it's not a rumor if it, they're gonna move but where are they moving are we staying in vegas are we staying in nevada I mean, what do you think, Maddie, so far about, about the news that has come out? Well, first off, shout out Mike Mitchell for just the tireless work that he does. Uh, Agreed. Pro bono, just around the clock, man. That guy is, is the Adam Schefter of the XFL, and I've been so fortunate to work with him. But, yeah, with Vegas, uh, where do you start? Um, man, I would have been really excited to see – the future of the Vipers in Vegas, maybe not so much at Cashman Field. Um, I know kind of reflecting right off the rip week two, I'm in Vegas. I'm at Cashman Field for the opener. And I'm right down there for warmups and not going to lie. Like now that it's all said and done and we kind of know like the player feedback that was coming in, it was pretty bad from the players that were on the field. Uh, they definitely weren't happy when they were warming up. Uh, you know, there's some things I won't repeat, but <laughs> it was not good. These were professional athletes that weren't happy. But one thing I will say is they didn't complain once it got closer to kickoff. And they started to realize that like that didn't matter today, right? Like let's let's worry about that in the future. And well, the future is here now, right? That was back in February, and now we're here in September, and we get the official announcement. 
And it's something that Mike and I talked about when I broke the news that Rod Woodson was going to be let go. Uh, Mike and I hopped on an emergency episode of, of Spring Ball Boulevard when I was on the road. And we kind of discussed not just Rod Woodson being out, but potentially Vegas being out, period. And Mike, if you listen to that back in May, Mike mentioned a lot of what you're hearing this week, which is that it was being talked about already. So, yeah, uh, it all kind of makes sense. Rod Woodson's performance maybe – I mean, that could have been the leading reason he could have known potentially that Vegas, you know, I I get that Cashman field is out. That's the only thing that we know for sure right now. And, and I don't know anything else, but I think that, you know, I wonder how much Rod Woodson maybe knew about that and then decided, well, you know, if it's not Vegas, I don't, I'm not really too interested or, or if they even would have had him back, had he been interested, you know, like I think about a coach like Terrell Buckley, you know, has a, a comparable season, if not worse than what Vegas had and, and gets to stay. So when they said kind of like the mutual parting of ways, right. Did like, we didn't know at the time, but did part of that mutual parting have to do with, Hey coach, we're not going to be in Vegas. Like, you know, do you, are you, do you even want to be here at this point? Yeah. Cause Woodson was all about it before this 2023 season. He was on McAfee promoting Vegas, how they had the coolest uniforms, how it was going to be a great market and uh, how they would play on a concrete block in the middle of the two one five if they had to, <laughs> which they pretty much did end up doing. But like, yeah, I think, I think it's safe to say, right. Like not, not to uh, assume and draw a conclusion, but I would assume Vegas is out and it sucks. And I know I, I probably am in the minority when it comes to the XFL community here, but that hurts. Like I wanted to see the XFL in Vegas. I kind of aligned with Jerry Cardinal and what Mike Mitchell reported. That was kind of the reason behind why they came here in the first place. Obviously they had the draft there. looked awesome at the UFC apex. And yeah, like it sucks because uh, like Spring Ball Boulevard is rooted in XFL gambling and XFL gambling content. And that would be such a hub for us. I was out in Vegas for the Boulevard Bull Tour. We're at Circus Sports doing a show for VEASAN Live about XFL spreads. Like when you're in Vegas and like you have Westgate Resorts as a partner, which we stayed at, like there's a lot that people aren't understanding. Yes, Cashman Field was kind of the odd man out here. Vegas could have worked. I just feel like maybe the powers that be in that town uh, just were not welcoming it. And it sucks because I love Las Vegas. I know a lot of people who um, are with the Vipers that, you know, are not happy about it and are really going to miss it and and don't know if, you know, potentially what their future is. Are they going to relocate within Vegas or, is this, is this the writing on the wall that a relocation is imminent? But if it is, and, and if we do get that confirmation that it's a relocation, um, I'll miss it. And I'm glad that I, I got the chance to cover the XFL in Vegas because it's something that we'll all look back at and it'll seem like such a short time 
but it was uh, a lot of good memories at Cashman Field in that short time. I had some good games, some great plays, some unforgettable memories, some great people in that organization. And although Cashman Field was uh, less than glorious, it was it was uh, it was a football field, right? <laughs> and that's it, it provided opportunity for those guys to go ball out. So that's that's my thought on Vegas, and uh, we'll see kind of where it goes from here. I have a few ideas of where they potentially might go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't really want to talk too much locations because I'm don't. i not big on speculative stuff here. I know Mike, he, he's come out with some stuff from his sources as well as James Larson. Um, but, man, until we get something from the XFL, it's hard for me to kind of back anything. I know these guys definitely know what they're doing, and they definitely have the resources and inside connections. Uh, but things change so fast, it seems like, with the XFL. Things can go from – zero to a hundred very fast. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I will say this, I, I think that if they're going to relocate, which my gut says they are the appetite for football in the South is hard to ignore. And some of the cities that I've heard being thrown around, I'd, I'd be shocked if they would go there. If I had to give like a top three right now where I would lean and I wouldn't be surprised to see the XFL in either of these three cities, it would all be the South. One would absolutely be Nashville, right? Which is being talked about. Makes all the sense in the world. You can play at Vandy. Great young market. Uh, Another one I think about is Louisville. You know, you have no professional football there. You have a state that loves their sports and yep. you have a decent facility. And then think about Atlanta too. And, and how Georgia state has a pretty nice facility that spring football was used before at the Atlanta legends in the AAF. So I, you know, I hear Portland, I hear Arizona. I just, I feel like they're looking for a rival for St. Louis and they are, like I said, really hard to ignore the appetite for football on the South. And I know they have three teams in Texas already. So it kind of throws it off. But those are the three that I would I would put a little money on. Nashville, Louisville, Atlanta. I like it. Um, and I could see I could see either of those three if they do end up leaving Vegas. I'm kind of rooting for them not to, but where are you supposed to play? Yeah. At yeah. this point. A lot of people have said Nevada in general, somewhere in Nevada. But I mean, that's kind of just that, 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 yeah. that's just trying to reach out. You know, I don't know how that's going to go, but really I like your takes market. there. Yeah. Mm. That's that different locations than what I've heard. And that's really why I didn't want to mention. I wanted to see what your opinion was or, or what you've heard. Yeah. And I try places. not to read too much into like it. I, I just yep. kind of like to think independently and think about Understood. I'm a huge college football guy. Right. And, and just thinking about the facilities and the conferences and, looking at these home atmospheres for these college teams. And obviously there's pros and cons to each of those three, like Nashville and Atlanta, you would, you know, have the NFL there, Louisville, you would not. Um, What is, you know, obviously the XFL is in cities that the NFL is in. Um, I kind of rule out like a Memphis because like the USFL being there. Um, So like you think about it and you're like, yeah, you, you narrow it down. I don't think they're going anywhere, but the South, that's the one thing I know for sure. Gotcha. I can't see I can't see anywhere but the South. It just makes so much sense. I even talked to 
AJ McCarron and he was talking about Mobile would be like a great location <laughs> where he's from. Me. And he's like, hey, South Alabama would be a great stadium to play in. And everybody can drop their ideas, right? But yeah. I think it belongs, it belongs in the South for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I like your takes. And me being from the South, I'm a little biased on that, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, where I'm at, I'm in South Mississippi. I mean, the closest places would be Houston, as I went to. Or probably Orlando. I'm not sure. Maybe Orlando or San Antonio. I don't know how far they are. Um, St. Louis is a good drive. Everything else is a good yeah. drive or fly. It doesn't matter what <laughs> you do. And there is a fan base for it down here. It's not very big, but even doing what I do now, you know, I go out and I represent the So I got my hats on and my shirts, and people do stop me and talk to me. They don't know who I am, but they're like, "Hey, I don't don't see that very often. You have an XFL hat, but yeah." So, I mean, I've had that happen numerous times at restaurants. Uh, yeah, people are probably looking at me like, what's this, you know, <laughs> what's this East Coast Yankee talking about? Listen, I covered sports in Meridian, Mississippi for a year. <laughs> you told me. You <laughs> it was told a me. small sample size, but I get it. You know, you, you only need to be there for a short time to learn uh, what football means there. And yeah, it just it, it taught me that uh, – it's it's just different. Like when they, when they say with the SEC, like it just means more. It's it's cheesy, but it's also like yeah, I get where that comes from, <laughs> for yeah. sure. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, a lot of these communities and cities just don't have anything else. That's the the biggest and the best entertainment they have. Bang for your buck right. compared to you know money for dollars. Whether it be high school or college, small college stuff like that. I mean, people eat it up. So, right. Yeah. I just watched my team, Arkansas State, get swamped out the other day. That was not a good good time. Made me very. I was sad. thinking about the the thirty five and a half point spread. I, I I wanted to take Arkansas State, and then I I didn't, and I saw what was going on in the first quarter, and wow, that was a little shocking uh, from Oklahoma. But yeah, I mean, you uh, knew they were going to stomp them, but man, do something. Yeah, it's like Butch a fish Davis, without water. On, what are we doing? Come on, Butch. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, bro, I just wanted to get your take on that. I want to ask you one more question on it. Do you feel like it's going to impact the fans in the in Vegas or the Vipers in general? Do you think that fan franchise is actually going to follow this team to another city, to another state, or is this going to be like a complete rebuild? I don't even think it would make sense. Like, it, it sucks to say, but if they're going to relocate, just start over. I agree. Like, Vegas Vipers was was cool. Right. It had meaning. It had a great color scheme. Rod Woodson with the black was behind it. He had he had he had that Raider black that he mentioned. Um, and just the identity, you know, they kind of would like with the snake eyes and all that. Like I I just feel like you you just crumble it up and throw it out and, and start over. And no, I don't think so. I think that the fans in Vegas, um, it's kind of funny, like I heard some people saying, oh, a little bit of karma for like, you know, Vegas getting all these new teams, like the Raiders moving from Oakland and now potentially the A's moving. Like now you get to lose a team. <laughs> I'm sure it's not that big of a deal, but yeah, I think you just, just tear it up, throw it out, start over. And uh, wherever you go to a new city, there will be, I mean, they have to make the right decision, but there will be people waiting and willing to welcome spring football with open arms and, uh, 
yeah, it'll be it'll be sad if that's what it comes to. But no, I don't think that I don't think Vegas fans will care all that much anymore. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's it's kind of like uh, it's disrespectful. I mean, I know it's not, but those fans feel like it is, and and so you can definitely put yourself in those shoes and and yeah. not enjoy that time at all. I watch those people, man, out in Cashman Field for the opener. They love it. Getting absolutely dumped on. Like, it was disgusting conditions. There was 30-mile-an-hour winds. It was a train wreck of an atmosphere as far as, like, the conditions that they had to deal with. Like, it could not have gone worse from a standpoint of, like, okay, this thing's already holding on by a thread. Now you add the element of the weather in. Like, so were you could not have gone worse. Were you present for that crazy weather game where the ESPN was booth there, was? Yeah. Oh man. So you were actually Yeah, first there. half I was on the field and I, I I got right up to the press box at halftime and and, and kind of hunkered down <laughs> for the rest of the game. But no, I was miserable and it you know, it couldn't have gone worse from a weather standpoint. But those fans, I, I remember the looks on their faces. They stuck it out and that was loyalty right there oh, yeah. to a team that scored, I think, maybe six points in the first half of that game. And if I remember correctly, it was like an 18 to six game. So, yeah, I mean, talk about like loyalty and like commitment to the to the franchise from day one. And then, you know, only getting a year kind of sucks. But, yeah, the last thing the XFL wants, I get, is for people because TV is king. Right. The last thing they want is for people to turn on the television and see a small time environment. Uh, there's probably people who are casuals that didn't even realize that if they're watching a St. Louis game at home versus a Vegas game, that, that those two teams were even in the same league. And that can Agreed. happen. Agreed. Can happen. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can deal with everything. I feel like you can deal with a bad venue as long as the field's good. As long as your playing surface is even and fair. I mean, all, all those, you, you can look past a lot of things, but I know the point for me that I really, really was, they had a problem with it was when they went, there was a kick and the, the kicker just straight slipped from the grass slipping out from under him. It was like a rug just got pulled out from under him. And that's what it looked like from the grass. Just yeah. Whoop. So yeah, man, sad day for the Vegas fans. I hope they get it worked out where they, they do get to get their team. Uh, like you said, there's they're a strong fan base. I've traded a lot of messages with guys. I've, I've talked to a lot of guys that, that they really like their team. So hopefully they get something good out of this. But as you uh, both know, it, it's probably not looking too good for the actual Vegas Vipers anymore. I would agree. All right. Let's move on, man. Let's talk about this. XFL draft that was on October 4th uh, that's stated to be on October 4th. Um, I kind of talked about this a lot anyway, so I'm not going to hit this hard. Did you see the clip from IXFL, the documentary uh, where, where, yeah, I saw bridge mention yeah. it and uh, that was cool. Like, you know, if you're talking about some of the parts of the documentary where, um, you know, they were just going over like combine stuff. That's always really neat stuff to highlight. And I'm glad the cameras were rolling, but, I kind of piqued my interest when they went into the meeting because I was like kind of looking at all the faces around and, you know, we're like crazy diehards. But, you know, when you're watching that as a casual fan, you're probably just like, oh, here's all these people together. I'm like pausing the thing, seeing like (laughs) who's here, who's not, like who can we speculate wasn't at the meeting? You know, that's what you do as a 
as a, a content creator. <laughs> but yeah, that was cool that they gave us eyes and ears into that meeting. And then, yeah, Bridge just comes out of nowhere. It's like, yeah, on this October 4th draft. And they just glaze over it like it's like nothing. Like that wasn't a big announcement. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of funny how that goes. But, <laughs> hey, I'll take another draft, right? Hey, Why not? Agreed, I, hope they, you know, I guess they won't be having it in Vegas, but <laughs> whatever they have. <laughs> Low blow. <laughs> but, yeah, dude. Um, I'm glad that they're doing something. I really wish we would get some official release of it, though. I know we heard that, and and it, a lot of people are saying draft October 4th. I mean, do you think that's that's really the draft date, or are we just sitting here waiting for an official release from the XFL? I think so, right, because this has happened before. Like, I'm trying to remember some of the other things that happened in the lead-up to last season. I think Rob Woodson made a comment about something. I forgot what it was exactly, but he said something a little early about and there, there had been other comments that were made like in the lead up to 2023 that ended up happening. So, yeah, I think so. I think if he said like October draft, I'd be like, oh, OK, maybe he's just talking about like what the how they did it last year. But no, he was October 4th. Like it's just too specific to not I agree. actually be happening. <laughs> like he's had that drilled in his head. So, yeah, I mean, he had like a whole whole idea and fundamental right. fundamental about how that draft is going to help people and how they're going to really appreciate the league. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe I they're just looking for like a television idea before they. I mean, maybe they're trying to. I, it would be really cool if they would put it on ESPN or even ESPN Plus. I'd be down for that. Um, yeah. Kind of the way they did the last one was you sort of had to follow on social media, and the social teams did a hell of a job. Agreed. But I would like to actually see it streamed, you know, and um, it, you know, just like the combine. I think they did a pretty good job with the combine, and they should do something similar with the draft, and maybe try to get it on. Maybe try to work with ESPN on it instead of just doing it on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even watching this documentary, I didn't realize how much they actually went into like how much work went into that live of the combine. I mean, you can yeah. see them talking in mics and coordinating and doing all these things. I, us as fans and media at home, we don't really get that whole experience. So we don't know if, truly what it, what they're doing, but man, that it was crazy. And I'm impressed by their ability to facilitate that and, and just, give the fans what they want and, and do it accurately. And that, that was awesome. So I agree with you. Yeah. And they were listening to our feedback too. That was the coolest part. I think that. Yep. Answering uh, questions. They kind of let the fans drive it. And yep. that was cool. Yep. Yep. Who wants to be interviewed next? What do you want to mm-hmm. know? What do you want to ask? You know, all those good things. I yeah. sat and watched it every day. Enjoyed it greatly. <clears throat> yeah. And if yeah, we man. do have an October 4th draft, I'm just excited to see like some of these guys, obviously we just, um, had NFL cuts and that was a busy day. I remember putting out a graphic and, you know, Mike hits me up, Mike Mitchell. And he's like, Hey, you're, you know, three more just came in. I'm like, Oh, I'm glad I left some room on the graphic there, Mike. Geez. Thanks for the heads up. And uh, it was just like, it's an ever changing situation yep. and it's very fluid. And yep. it'd be interesting to see like October 4th. I know that if a player didn't make cuts and then didn't make the practice squad either, then, they ended up getting the like the team that they're with retains their rights, which is which is cool. So those guys will be sort of off limits, I guess. But yeah, a lot of talent that you know potentially will be hanging in the balance around October fourth, and that that will be a draft eligible player for the XFL. The one thing I will say I don't want to see. I don't like how the USFL handled like, oh, we're going to draft Malik Cunningham. And then Malik Cunningham gets up there and he's like, I'm not playing in the USFL. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. No, 
right? Like, let, let's not do that. Let's, I, I get like you have to acquire rights to players, but if you're going to do that, let's kind of keep that on the DL, right? Let's not go blasting all over social. Oh, we got the rights to this player, the right to that player. Because if that player comes out and or their agent comes out and says like, we're fully committed to the NFL, like this is never a thing. It doesn't look good. It, it no. looks kind of Bush league. So if it's a draft, um, they kind of got to dance around like, okay, are we, it's, it's so close to the season at that point that it's like, how do we build like image around these guys? Like we almost have to have like, people want to know already what the DC defenders will look like in 2024. And I don't have the answer for them. It's like impossible to know, Agreed. but fans want to know, like people start looking at depth charts and rosters early buying jerseys, like people getting customized stuff and, and they want to know who's the quarterback, you know, who's coming, who's going, who's staying, who's leaving. And that's going to be super tough in the XFL. It's already super tough in college because now it seems like 35% of players are transferring. Like it just seems like every time I turn on a college football game on Saturday, I see a quarterback that played at a different school like the last yep. year. And that's like, yeah. I understand the XFL is going to be a revolving door, right? But hopefully they're able to get some guys in the draft that actually suit up in February. And I'm confident that they will. Yeah. Yeah. I think they will as well, whether it be, you know, new talent or guys from the NFL, I think there'll be plenty of names. Uh, yeah. I see what you're saying about the rights thing. And it was almost like a here, let's do this just in case. And that's what Mike commented on too. He said, got to account for the unseen. They're probably just being cautious. Yeah. And you wonder too, like that, like the Tavon Austin stuff, right? I think the XFL handled that well. There was those group of players that, you know, XFL analysts did great work with kind of scanning the transaction list and saying, okay, these guys are like secretly being added to rosters, but PR from XFL is not saying anything. Exactly. I think that was smart of them not to come out and say, boom, you know, Tavon Austin to Houston. Cause imagine this stir that would create like, it already created enough of a stir within like us, like the diehard community. So I guess like they have the rights now to like a certain amount of guy, like some big name guys, Tavon Austin. I mean, wow. What, what would that do for the XFL? I mean, one of the most beloved highlight tapes in the history of YouTube and like some of the other guys that, you know, Gary and Conley for former first round pick going to DC. Oh, but it's the rights. They're just the rights, you know? So you got to pump the brakes, but. Yeah, I think the XFL handled that the right way and promoted the guys they got in the rookie draft and then the, the guys that they were acquiring rights to, they were a little cautious with, you know, promoting. Yes, sir. Agreed with that. Michael from Player 54 Podcast, and I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with him. <clears throat> we were talking about the, uh, the the dates earlier and if they were correct or not. You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of a skeptic until something official comes out. Um, but he says it has to be the league produced a documentary, promoted it on its social media accounts and website. It would be very odd if it's not. I agree with you, Mike, but I mean, there's been some odd things happening in this league already. So I'm hoping everything is accurate and they're doing that, like just to get the fans rolling and get things, get everybody hungry. But man, I like the official. Yeah, I think stuff. we as like content creators have to remember, like we're used to doing something, putting it out, right? Yeah it doesn't work like like the XFL is not a content creator. Part of them is, but it's also a professional operation mm -hmm. and like, they're very calculated, like all the build up to 2023, you think about all the things that were leaking and coming out that were, you know, people were um, speculating on. And then 
it was like we didn't hear about those things confirmed because they have a schedule for how everything is is done and maybe for them they think let's like maybe attention spans are short let's not announce the documentary all over uh let's just put it let's just put the draft in the documentary for now and then let's not actually announce it until closer so that people are more invested like there's a million different ways they do things but yeah i think it'll be on the fourth for sure cool and i would expect that announcement to come pretty soon it like I said, attention spans are short. And I think that they want to make sure they capitalize on people actually remembering, you know, some of the casuals actually remembering when it is. Yes, sir. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Um, so before we hop into you, I'm going to, I'm going to get to know you a little bit more, man. I got some questions for you. I want to know about your music career, your, your show, how you got into everything, but I just want to know what are some of your thoughts on XFL 2023? I, I've asked all the media personalities and, and people that have come on in the past, you know, a few weeks, what, what do you think? What's your opinion, whether it be on fan engagement, ticket sales, gameplay. I mean, I mean, just give me a rundown of how you think the XFL 2023 went. I give it an A plus. I know I'm biased, but um, it felt so special to be a part of something, even if it was kind of like indirectly that I think 30 years from now, you know, we'll be telling our, our kids and, and our grandkids and their grandkids about, about how year one was when um, there was a sixth tiebreaker <laughs> to decide who made the XFL North championship. And, you know, there was this beer snake <laughs> And there was this, there was this four and six team that won the championship because of a guy named Luis Perez coming in late. And there was the, the Vegas Vipers, the team that played 10 games and was done. And, you know, there was Orlando knocking off DC in the wildest upset. Who's going to top that? I mean, even, I feel like that'll be the standard in XFL history for upsets. So like, to me, it's special in that sense. Now, I guess being more realistic and not, you know, getting too sentimental. Um, yeah, th- there were definitely some things that could have been done better. And I'm completely confident that they will identify those things. I still think the XFL is light years ahead of what the USFL is doing, uh, which that's a whole episode. So we won't go too far into that. <laughs> But it's very clear to me that the USFL is the B league at this point. And that's not a knock on the players. That's just a, that's just for me, like when you're on ESPN doing the numbers that the USFL is doing when they have double network, I don't know. seems fishy to me. So like I said, that's a whole episode, but Danny Garcia said in the doc that they are the premier spring football league. And now it's kind of when you put your foot on the gas and you prove it. Uh, You see some of the things that the NFL is looking at. We talked about how the XFL was supposed to be kind of a Petri dish for the NFL rules. It's happening. Kickoffs are very much being talked about. The Philadelphia Eagles, I think their GM or owner voted to have one of the XFL rules implemented today. I don't know if it was the kickoffs or something else, but one of the, I think it was the fourth and 15. He, he gotcha. voted that that was implemented today to the NFL. Oh, dude, that would change uh, NFL games. That's completely. an NFL owner. Like, right. Wow. So 
yeah. So these are, and then you have like Dan Campbell, Bill Belichick, these NFL head coaches coming out speaking glowingly of the spring leagues and how it, it benefits the whole football ecosystem. So, yeah, I mean, everybody wants to harp on, oh, this is the amount of money they lost. It's just, of course they did. Like they're, this is, this is a business and this is a startup just like any other startup. And they're, they're now hoping to turn the corner and get into the green. It was always going to start in the red. Yep. No matter what. And, and DJ said a lot of that, how, you know, he had to ask himself many times in the buildup to this, how the hell do you run a pro football league? Like, what do you, where do you start? And I think it was a phenomenal start. Um, the one thing that absolutely sucks is the layoffs that happened. Um, some really great people I met along the yep. way that Same, man. cared Same. deeply about this, just like we do. Yep. And I hurt for them to see their dream and their vision just get kind of ripped out from underneath them and say, it's not you, it's me. It's kind of what the XFL said to them, right? Like, I know. You know the day following, once they released that news, I sent out a couple emails to individuals that, you know, I had a pretty yeah. good com- communications with. We were, I would say we were close to friends and yeah. send it back. This email does not exist. Sad. Yeah. Days. And I don't want to give bait to like the haters or the naysayers. And I understand. that's not really what I'm doing by bringing it up. I'm just kind of saying that, yeah, like it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Right. Um, that sucks and that happens everywhere in corporate America. Exactly. And for the league to survive, um, they kind of have to listen to ESPN. Right. And they kind of have to make sure that their relationship with ESPN is a hundred percent with no holes in it at all. And I think that ESPN probably has a lot of influence and Disney probably has a ton of influence on what's going on. Agreed. And that's fine because Redbird Capital, I think, is is totally geared up for this business. Like I think they're ready to go for the future. And I I, I do think this will last. But yeah, 2023. Um like just I, I think about some of the memories like Dean Blandino and Rod Woodson going back and forth, standing on the sideline in St. Louis. Is it gonna be McCarran? Is it gonna be Tiano? That spread is jumping in every direction. I got my DraftKings out. I'm like, oh my God, this line is nine. Now it's seven. Now it's six. I just broke the news. AJ McCarron's not playing. He's not here. Like, this is crazy. You think about the XFL North title game. And like, I could go on and on with the memories that we had. And I just feel like it's a, it's a first chapter of a long, long book. And I'm looking forward to the future. And, uh, fan engagement you mentioned um i've always kind of thought of it as people like us who create content for this league and a lot of us who do it as a labor of love if the xfl works long term it will work for us long term just the same with the fans if the xfl works the fans will love it right and the the fans are always going to be there because people love football. Exactly. And there are people who want to watch football year round, but the XFL 
has to kind of get like they have to turn the corner and there's a number of fans that are waiting for them when they do there's probably right now a ton of people who sit there and say i'm not falling for this again i'm not going out and buying that ticket i'm not buying that jersey i'm not telling my kid all about the star player i'm not watching the league until i know that it's going to work like that's just the reality because they've been burned before some were burned in 01 some were burned in 19 with the aaf some were burned in 2020 and i just feel like once you get to two three four years down the road it's a snowball and it's like it'll be the xfl is here to stay and none of that could have happened without the foundation they built in year one. And I'll kind of close your, your answer, your question by um, the, the rock in San Antonio on the field before the game media scrum at the championship game in San Antonio. And I asked him if he had anything to say to the people who said he wouldn't be here you know, after this season that they wouldn't even get to the championship game. And yeah, he said, we had it. We had a ton of naysayers. We had a ton of haters and we had a ton of people that just didn't believe, but here we are. And, and that was special to me. And I think that it's cool to see, you know, kind of him realize the vision that he had for this all come together. So yeah, I'm amped for the future, man. And it's it's just giving me goosebumps just talking about it. So. <laughs> I understand, man. And as you said, the fans, the media, I mean, the people that are doing this right now, we're going to be here as long as decisions are made that are appropriate for, for continuation right. of the brand. Uh, but th- personally, I would not be busting my ass doing this if I didn't believe it was going to make it. I'll tell you that. I mean, right. it's a grind and I'm trying to reach the level that you guys are on right now. And it, it, it's a grind, man. And so like I always say to, to most of the people that are on here, much respect to you. Uh, like I said, you're one of the biggest that really got the, the, you really got the attitude out about the XFL. You really had the news. You had relationships with players. You had some good interviews that you could not find anywhere else. And they were solid, real put together correctly. So I know for you as well, you're, you're, that's the same testament for you. You wouldn't be doing this, and, and as well as your producer, if you guys didn't believe that this was something that was going to be successful. Yeah, me, me and Chris, look, we're just a couple of small-town kids from Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania, who love football. And I'm not about the, the buttoned-up, like, old-school, traditional approach to sports content. I think that you're boring if you don't have a rooting interest in sports. You're boring if you don't um, embrace the gambling end of it. You're boring to me if you're doing the same thing they were doing 50 years ago. Um, Everything's changing. And it's like we have a league here where we have the opportunity to not only redefine uh, spring football, but we can redefine spring football coverage. And why not? You see guys like Pat McAfee and what they've been able to do. Like, why not a couple of guys like us be the face of the XFL media? Do I need to wear a suit tonight? You know, do I need to not chug a beer on air when Reggie Barlow's hyping up the beer snake? Like, (laughs) do I need to not talk about how I was not happy that the XFL 
wasn't allowing me to wager on the national anthem and how long it was going to be at the championship game. No, like, come on, this is what we want. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, it's, it's cliche, but you always say like for the fan, by the fan, that's a big thing. And people want to see us be their voice as well. And uh, I think the deep connection that probably both of us made with a lot of our audience is special and, and we'll build in the next season. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's what <clears throat> coming in collaboration was big for me. I mean, it took me a few months just to get some legs where people were like, Oh, this guy's legit. He's not just running around talking crap about football. <laughs> I mean, so I, I definitely agree with everything you're saying and, and, I don't know, man. There's been a lot of evolution since I started this. Went through a lot of growing pains, a lot of different experiences. And, and I agree with you, though. Like, everybody's got their own their own niche here. I mean, everybody's got their own way of doing things, and none of it's wrong. Whether it's your show, the X-Fan show, the Marcast, whatever it's going to be, you're there to provide an experience for those fans that they want. So, I mean... Anyway, dude, like I said, keep up the good work. We're going to talk more about your show here in just a second. And I want to get to know you, especially. I've tried to find out some info about you, Maddie, looking up before. And, you know, I found a lot of your YouTube stuff from years ago, but that's about it. So, I mean, if you don't mind, you, you want to go ahead and get into you a little bit and talk about yourself? Yeah. So, like I said, <laughs> small town kid, love to, right? Love to hear myself talk. <laughs> um, yeah, small town kid from Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania, Eastern PA, uh, probably about an hour outside of Philly. Uh, if anybody's familiar with Yingling Beer hmm. and the coal region, uh, Pottsville area is where I was born and raised and still reside today. Uh, I am a class of 2019 graduate of Pennsylvania State University with a degree in broadcast journalism. Uh, I owe everything to that place would not have spring ball boulevard without it uh done everything from radio to television to music um to hosting my own show and i love sports gambling and i'm a huge fan of all sports but mainly football and uh, i'm a penn state season ticket holder so that's why i'm not on the air right now <laughs> no but really it's uh I guess content creator is, is kind of a good way to define it nowadays. I, I, I used to say like entertainer because I, I would, I didn't want to box myself in and with the whole music thing, I think with my music, it started out with relating to a local audience. I made a song about my hometown when I was 18 years old in 2014, it was a remix to empire state of mind by Jay-Z. A lot of people were doing that at the time. So I took a stab at it with my hometown and it was successful locally. And from there, I just wanted to make more music that would relate to a local audience. So I carried that with me to Penn State. Um, and my big break was the Trace McSorley song. Uh, in 2018, we put that out when he was a senior. He had a great season, ended up getting drafted to the Ravens the year following. And uh, over quarantine during TikTok times when people were begging me to download the app and I was just like refusing, like, you know, the the old man yelling at people in his yard <laughs> talking about, no, I get off my lawn. I don't want your TikTok. That was me. And, and uh, unbeknownst to me, my song was blowing up on the platform without me even realizing it. So 
Oh, on TikTok? That was pretty what, cool. <laughs> what were you yeah, doing on TikTok? Yeah. I see you on YouTube. You've got 7.8 million views on this song from five years ago. Yeah, and it was crazy. Uh, I think I checked. Uh, I think the day that I heard it was like going viral on TikTok, I didn't quite understand what that meant. So I had to kind of... <laughs> Like I had to kind of focus on what that looked like on YouTube because I didn't understand TikTok and like how do I add up all these streams and like what are the numbers, you know? And I went on YouTube and like I think seven hundred fifty thousand of those views came in like one week. Wow! And it was, that was the the craziest week of my life back in October of twenty twenty. But no, I'm super grateful for first of all Trace McSorley. Um, this is a guy that. I'm always rooting for whatever he wants for his journey. And if that means the XFL, I'd be thrilled. <laughs> Come on over, Trace. But a guy who was a winner in college and I think now gets overlooked in the NFL because they they, they want him to be a safety. And they've always wanted him to be a safety. And I think that's always carried with him. They asked him to try out with the safeties at the combine when he was coming out of school. This is a guy who shattered all of Penn State's records. They had the audacity at the NFL combine to ask him to try out with the safeties. I'm sure, this is a lot of what Malik Cunningham is going through right now, being asked to try out at wide receiver and play receiver. And it's like Trace never wanted to. He's like, I'm a quarterback, and he's been with the Ravens. He's been with the Cardinals. He's most recently with the Patriots and looking for his next home. And if that ends up being the XFL – We'd welcome him with open arms. I think he'd be a perfect personality to fit that league. So I'm super grateful for him because none of that happens without him. And and the break that I got from that song allows me to have the platform that I do today. And I'm not so sure if I'd be as confident in the content I create if I didn't know that it would work on a larger scale like this one did. Uh, this keeps me motivated to know that I must have done something right. <laughs> and Understood. Uh, sometimes you need that. You need that one thing that's like, no, like I had it in me before I have it in me now, like the results are there. Let's do it again. And that I've always just, I want people to uh, look back on this and love it, but realize that like, you know, Trace McSorley could one day end up in the XFL. And that would be like the craziest collision of worlds for me ever. You might so switch I'm, teams at that point. I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. If you can't tell, I'm looking forward to it. If it happens. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> who knows you may go the battle hawks man then you'll really have some uh, conflict of interest there <laughs> oh <laughs> but anyway dude that. let's I talk about your about music that. career <laughs> i'm gonna uh i'm gonna play a, a bit of this song before we talk yeah. about your music career if that's cool i'm just gonna start it just a random spot yeah, it's a 7.9 mil quarterback. <laughs> Throw it on a dime, like I ain't even trying. Just a kid from Briarwoods, I'm wearing number nine. And Coach Franklin down at Vandy, flipped to Happy Valley. Now I'm coming back and got the natty on my mind. They can't touch my deep ball, every game I'm scoring. I'm your favorite quarterback, they call me Chase McSorley. Rep that blue and white, you know I do it for the glory. Pick up Chase McSorley. Chase McSorley, they call me Chase McSorley. I went out to the bar and I woke up in a sorority. <laughs> so, dude, I'm guessing 
I mean, you've met him, talked to him quite a few times. Are y'all actual <laughs> friends at, at this point? Yeah, he's act, we're actually born a day apart. And so I always used to say to him that on day one, God created Trace McSorley. And on day two, he said, this guy needs a song and created me. Uh, <laughs> so that that's always something. But yeah, we graduated together. And uh, he was there right up when I was there. And we kind of went through it all together, the highs and the lows. And, and he was always just that dude on campus that he just felt like he was one of us. And I know there's larger than life. Like you imagine like seeing Arch Manning walk, walking around campus now, like, you know, or, or any of these college stars, they don't feel like, like they fit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like, they kind of keep them separate now anyway. Yeah, for sure. For yeah, that reason. media, yeah. But Trace was never that. Like they may have tried to, but he was like, absolutely not. Like I'm a student at Penn State first, then I'm an athlete, right? My normal yeah, it person. Was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was like he fits the bill too. He's just like you know, six foot, 180 pound dude walking around and and has that swagger to him. And oh, he's just he's my hero. He's he's the man. And and uh, yeah, us being the same age, I think has a lot to do with how we relate and, and and growing up in the same kind of generation and watching the same players growing up. I know he was a big uh, Brett Favre guy. His dad played in college at Richmond. And, and yeah, uh, he made it to the state championship four times in high school. Like, guy's just a total stud. And, and we still watch, uh, you know, highlights of him play on the Beaver Stadium billboard before every home game. Uh, a lot of his highlights make those pregame packages. So, yeah, salute Trace and uh, wishing the best for his future. And, yeah, we, we stay in contact. Understood. That's awesome, though, dude. I mean, honestly, until I started researching, I didn't realize that this was five years ago. I thought you had done this more recently, you know, and after looking, I was like, man, when this song came out, how old were you? I mean, I don't know. You didn't tell me your age yet, so I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a senior, so 22. It's 22. Gotcha, gotcha. So you're 27 now? Yeah. Understood. Well, that's awesome, bro. Why don't you, since we're talking about your music, I mean, uh, how did you get involved in music? How did you start doing that? I mean, this was prior to your athletic media coverage or anything media, correct? Well, I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. That was my dream growing up. My dad had Penn State season tickets since like 1999. I think my first game, I was in Beaver Stadium watching Drew Brees get beat by Penn state when he was at Purdue. Like, so I've always wanted to do this. Uh, you had to say Drew Brees, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. Penn state four and against them. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've always wanted to be in sports media and sports broadcasting. And uh, it just so happened that, you know, being on the playground and playing pickup basketball in the summer with your friends, you know, Mac Miller kind of became our soundtrack. Uh, I'm and, a big fan of Mac myself. Yeah, I just think about that era and how everybody says that, right? Uh, back in like 2010, 2011, when Kids was out and Kids was at the peak where it just it just feels like youth. It feels like, you know, part of being young and a soundtrack. And and yeah, we were, I mean, just like Mac, goof around on the playground and rap. And for me, it carried into going home at night and continuing to do it when all my, I like, never would tell my friends, but like, actually liked it. Like it wasn't just freestyling on the playground. We were, I was actually like writing songs and, and loving it. So yeah, that's where it started. And then I, I figured like start putting little videos out on Facebook 
did some remixes and then I just felt like it was time to try to really write a song. And, and thankfully I had some success when I put it out, shot a good music video for it. And uh, Skook State of Mind was the name of the track came out in 2014. And it was my first real big break. And it actually landed me an internship in radio because the rate, the local radio station in town called me up. They wanted to interview me about the song. And then I was walking out and I got offered a job. I told them I was interested in sports. They were like, Hey, you want to answer phones and like, just start from the ground up at the station. And I was like 18. I was like, you know, going to school. Absolutely. I'll do that part time. So yeah. Uh, you know, there's been ups and downs with it. There's been times where my music doesn't align with my sports broadcasting career. And it's, you know, you always have that thought in the back of your head, you know, are the suits and the people that are, are more traditional looking down on me and thinking, you know, you can't have a rapper that's also a broadcaster. Like, and I've, I've just learned in the last 10 years or so and growing up that it doesn't really matter because, you know, nobody can define really what you do these exactly. days. Like, you can do a million different things and you'll be fine. Um, you don't have to have a job title anymore. If you're just a creative, you're a creative. That's fine. Yep. And uh, I'd rather 99 times out of 100, I'd rather work for myself than be told, you know, I have to look a certain way or act a certain way to do this job. The one time out of 100 where I would say, absolutely, I'll do whatever you want is if you let me call Penn State football games for the rest of my life. I don't care what I'd have to look like, sound like, I'll do it. I'll sell everything out for that job. That's a dream. Clean job, shaving and all. Eh? Yeah, I don't care what it takes. I'll change my name. I'll delete every YouTube video I ever had. Whatever. Yeah, I'll sell my whole soul to Penn State. Just let me do that. <laughs> but That's no, otherwise, awesome, like I, I love working for myself, and I love creating content, and I love doing music, and I love entertaining people, and it's just something that's always been in my blood. and and. uh yeah, I see Nittany Nation bumping there. That's the new record we put out a couple of weeks ago and it, doing really well right now. I think we're on to something with this T formation. Uh, they ran it again. That's why the T's are capitalized in the song. We, Penn State runs a T formation. Gotcha. Last year they ran it. They ran 10 touchdowns out of it. Uh, and now just had one in the last game against West Virginia. So we're trying to bring back the old T, the power T. Hopefully that'll show up in the XFL this year too. Hey, I mean, if you got to use it, use it. Good basic football right there. Absolutely. Fundamentals, baby. <laughs> People are all like romanticizing vintage things nowadays, and I think that's one of them. So vintage football, so this was back in. Yeah, I know back whenever I was actually a coach and doing all that, I was big on the spread and all that, you know, but you really <laughs> didn't realize the complexity of what you were trying to teach these middle school and high school kids with that spread offense and it was not an easy task um yeah but yeah here i'm gonna play a portion of this song if it's cool real quick yeah let's let it rip probably my favorite song i ever wrote so cool cool and I we gon' hit him with quick Nick motor sticks with Fat Man K I'm rapping Nittany Nation. I'll name all my jerseys. Don't need no high formation. We run the team. And I've been dreaming about that natty boy. So we gon' need some happy valley noise. This one for the blue and white. Let it fly all night. 15, throw that on a dime. I ain't even trying. 
Yeah, this my favorite part. Man, we was Rose Bowl champs, but unranked at the start. Look at Drew pre-snappy, calling that out of bowl. Abdul coming back, we call that the Carter too. Nice. Hey, we gon' hand it up. Dude, nice. I like it. Uh, it it's almost Watch got love. that 2015-2013 feel to it. it. Almost like a, like you said, a Mac Miller, or maybe like a like the good days of Little Dicky. That kind of sound. Um. So yeah. yeah, props to you, bro. It sounds good, and I've heard this one extensively on Twitter as well as YouTube. So I, I'm familiar with this song. And to be yeah, honest, I think you, that my, my struggle is trying to, you know, whether it's it's XFL fans or whether it's in my music, <clears throat> trying to relate to the younger audience. And like, I just hit a point where I was like, you know, what, good music is good music. And like it, I'm just going to make like, I know everybody's obsessed right now with making things that will work for TikTok. But as long as I'm making my music for myself, my friends, and my family, even if those are the only people who hear it, I think I'd, I could sleep at night. Um, and that, I couldn't say that three years ago. Like, after Trace played against the Steelers and got in for Lamar was hurt and RG3 got hurt, after Trace got in the game, and the song had already been blowing up, then he gets in and then the NFL is in my email. And then the week after I'm hearing like Harbaugh's playing it in the team meeting. And I'm just not experiencing reality at that point. I'm like, I just felt like I couldn't sleep. I was like, things are moving so fast with this. And then you get an email from Warner records and it's like, Oh my God, like what is happening? Like, this is something we made two years ago. And I don't think I could really fathom what was happening. And I kept having to ground myself in the fact that remember when you have a hit, it's different now. Now you better be ready with something else because in the music industry before it was always like, you could have a hit and then you could work on your album and like fans are willing to give you time. And some artists had an album maybe every two years usually, or maybe a little sooner, but like it wasn't the next day yeah. after a song was on radio. And I, I just felt so unprepared because it's like, wow, like where'd this come from? Like, I guess I, I didn't have all my T's crossed and my eyes dotted. And I just had to take a deep breath at some point and be like, listen, this is amazing. Even if this just happens by itself and it doesn't, I try not to view it blowing up as like the means to an end because that's what I trapped myself in thinking for a bit where I was like, oh, this is it. This is the thing that gets me to where I want to be. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is the thing. Just forget where you're going with it. Maybe this is the thing. And like the memories that come out of this, and getting to perform in downtown state college in front of all my friends and getting to for the next record hop on a facetime with trace and play an april fool's joke on my fan base saying that in the next record he was going to feature on the track like we did that <laughs> like that is something that if you told me when i was a kid hey 
you're going to FaceTime Penn State's quarterback and tell him about an April Fool's joke that you want him in on. Like, just the little things you got to appreciate. And now I really do, like, being, you know, more mature and more grown up and out of college, I realize that um, it's it's not about everything being a means to an end. And, and that's really – why I'm okay when Spring Ball Boulevard doesn't get the engagement that maybe we want it to for one episode is because I know that we are doing it because we love it. And the memories that we're making from it, we'll look back maybe one day when we're not doing it and we'll miss it. So yeah, I think that uh, I've learned a lot. And then that experience taught me a lot about how you can get shelved pretty quickly, right? Like TikTok is, overnight success and then they want you to do the same thing and if you're not going to do the same thing forget it right so i learned to concentrate on my diehards and concentrate on the people who truly care and hope that they will sell my content to their friends and that's all you can do yep yep and i mean you'll drive yourself crazy trying to appease everyone dude i know right i mean but on a million person scale i mean it's tough but i'll say authenticity is hard to find everybody wants to be famous or have a, a, a hit like you but i mean it's what you do in those times that really show how authentic you are in my opinion and right. you know like you said that you weren't from you weren't prepared for that now you have a head on your shoulders i'm sure you have a strategy for if this happens again there, there's things right. that you have lined up that you know and then thinking of that too, it's just like we talked about, or you talked about previous. It's like, you don't want to work for somebody. You want to work for yourself. You want to do your own right. thing. And you realize that that success, even if it's just this big, is still better than just sitting in a, a corporate office or a, right. a, a news media place. I mean, I was a, I was in, I was in education. I wasn't in corporate structure, but it's very similar. And it's actually a little more cutthroat sometimes because it's just tough, but. Yeah. I know I, I speak the same regard. I'll never go back to working for the man again. <laughs> I'll never uh, do that. But dude, it's cool that you got this awesome authenticity. And like I said, it's one of the reasons that I really, I really liked you the most coming in. <clears throat> you know, there's a, there's a handful of guys like you, Mike Mitchell, Evan, there's a, there's a handful of guys that really, you are yourselves. You're not what we want to see on TV. You're not what the people want to talk to you. I mean, you're just being you. And that, to me, dude, it th- that's what the XFL wants and needs. That's what the fans want and need is, is just be yourself, bro. And I think – Yeah, and I'm so glad I learned that before yep. I started Spring Ball Boulevard because there was a time when I was in college where I was told what you had to be. Mm-hmm. And I tried so hard to be that. And then, you know, COVID happened. I, I was the last graduating class that happened before COVID. I was the class of 2019, so – I was kind of lucky in that regard, but it was also really tough coming out of school and having that happen. Yeah. Uh, especially in, you know, when your, your field is sports journalism and sports broadcasting and sports just go away. And like I mentioned, I was a, a sports anchor at WTOK in Meridian, Miss, uh, Mississippi um, for about a year until COVID hit. And like, just not having sports like it, I don't know and people call me crazy because I say like sports are part of my identity but like even if you don't play them I feel like if you love them they'll always be part of it and when we didn't have any it sucked yeah and 
luckily, you know, I had something to live through with like the Trey song blowing up in October of 2020. But yeah, like I'm so glad I learned that, that what we were just talking about because it allows me to be authentic on Springball Boulevard and never apologize for some of the things that, you know, <laughs> my dad might say, oh, are you sure about that? <laughs> that? That beer went down pretty fast, Matt. <laughs> <You know. laughs> but I don't have to apologize anymore. And I know that uh, people will hopefully see some of themselves and, and some of their fandom in me. And, and I, I try not to filter myself and censor myself too much. Yes, sir. That's the best way to be. And it, especially these days, bro, it's tough to find that. Like I said, walking into a room, there's out of 10 people, there may be four real folks there. There may be four people there, five people, maybe that you can have a conversation with, but right. different world, my friend. Uh, do you feel like did your music career bring some popularity into your show? Did some of your friend, fans translate over to to the show like immediately? Yeah. Absolutely. And like I said, there's, there's still going to be like, when you become a TikTok trend, you know, there's still going to be some, uh, like a dead audience that they didn't really care about me. They just cared about the meme or whatever it was, or the trend or whatever. But yep. no, like, I, I think that with the, just like the quantity that we were able to do on some of the music, it definitely translated. And, you know, I'm very grateful that we're able to have, you know, 27,000 subscribers on YouTube that, you know, a certain percentage of them are going to get a notification every time we go live. Like that would never have been possible without McSorley. I think because of McSorley, I went from about 1500 to, to 27,000 and there were other things I was doing at that time, but that was a big break. And uh, yeah, we're engaging a lot of those people. And uh, the key right now, I think is just to find like, will people care enough about the XFL like they do about college football and like the NFL to consume content? I think it's coming soon. I think right now we're right on the cusp of it where there's a lot of people. And I think that uh, if you are an XFL fan, you are very much online and you're watching all these podcasts and you're reading all these articles and you're, you're following Mike Mitchell and you're engaged, but I'm not so sure that there's enough quantity yet of people who are willing to consume content the way they do about college and about the NFL. Once there is, and that might take a few years, it's a game changer for us because we'll already have the groundwork laid, right? Great. And that's why these times of grinding and out, just like the players, just like the coaches, just like the execs, all the way up to Danny and DJ, everybody's doing it right now. And we're not doing it because we're making money off it. <laughs> so Agreed. Uh, we're just doing it for the next opportunity and for, uh, for the love of it. So yeah, but we definitely have a ton of people who have reached out and love both things. Like, you know, people that find me because of McSorley and people that find me because of Jahan Dawson and Saquon Barkley or, or, you know, the comeback Aaron song, like whatever. I listen to that today. Yeah. (laughs) All that, like people do football is football. Right. And and people want to hear football songs. They want to listen to football shows. They want to watch football. They want to do it all. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the, the normal talk show feel is really wearing thin most people will get tired of it and and you see these different faces you're you have no clue who they are they're up there talking (laughs) you know who is this guy yeah i mean it it was different when they had people you knew that were notable that played coaches whatever but when you're like you got some random dude up there talking i mean why wouldn't you want to just deal with a fan who's done this and and experienced this and is taking upon their own shoulders to try to give you 
some inside information and that's, that's what you do. I mean, and like I said, I think the best part about your show, in my opinion, was your player interviews. I enjoyed those thoroughly and you couldn't find some of them anywhere. And the places I did find them, they weren't authentic. They weren't legitimate. These people weren't themselves. I felt like, you know, when you spoke with AJ McCarron, fantastic, fantastic interview. Thank Uh, you, man. Louise, all, all that stuff. I mean, I watched that, and, and so I appreciate that as a fan. Um, let me see what else we have. Yeah, we're gonna definitely continue to ramp that up. I think that I've always had that idea that it's not about me; it's about the players. Understood. Um, and Same. that's something that I learned covering high school football and radio. My mentor, Chaz Hepler, love him to death. He he taught me uh, from a young age that you know ask good questions. Don't be the guy who's just like, talk about this, talk about that. Just ask real questions. And um, that was kind of the voice in the back of my head when I was doing those player interviews. And then it kind of all culminated with, you know, being lucky enough to get to be in the media scrum with the rock in San Antonio, like just having that kind of narrative going on in your head where it's like, ask a real question, you know, and, and like get to the point and, and say less to say more. And I think that the players and the coaches that I've interviewed appreciate the research that has gone into my question. Just like I'm appreciating this today, the research that you've done and you've clearly done your homework on me. Appreciate that. And I've just had some real flops um, of interviews that I've heard online or that I've seen people do where it's just like, they just didn't care. And and it just was so obvious that they didn't care that I didn't care. Yep. You know, I just turned it off. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely appreciate that, and I definitely know that it's it's a player driven league, and it's all about those guys. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's that's something I had to learn coming in as new media. But at this point, that's that's my hundred percent focus. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the opportunity to interview these these guys that aren't in the league or, or playing somewhere else or doing. I mean, it's an honor and it's a privilege to be able to talk with them and, and learn more about their lives. And even like you right now, I mean, this. This I enjoy this right now. Finding out more about you, what what made you tick, and what made you become who you are. I mean, that's even as a media personality or a content creator, it's it, it applies to the players as well, in my opinion. Uh, Absolutely. Those guys, a lot of these guys, you know, they're not all AJ McCarrens. They're not they're not all famous. The some of them are really working from the ground up, sacrificing time with family, uh, money you know, real careers that they could be pursuing. And, and so, I mean, it, they got to know you care, no doubt. Right. What brought you to covering the XFL? What brought you to the show? I mean, what made you create the show? I'm assuming, is it is it you guys, you both do the show, you both created the show, or is it you're the host of the show? I, that's what I really wanted to ask that. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, I mean, we are co-creators of Ball Boulevard, for sure. Um, I think for me personally, the vision started back in 2018 when XFL 2020 was announced. Um, at Around that time, I think, I, I don't think I'd ever been, maybe since I was a little kid, more interested in WWE. I went to WrestleMania in 2019, and that cross promotion that they were doing with alpha entertainment and with Vince uh, really piqued my interest. And it, it just felt to me like, wow, the powerhouse that WWE is like, this is going to work. And I was so bought in and wanted to do a show 
for XFL 2020, but had the job <laughs> in Mississippi mm -hmm. and with a non-compete, you know, really tough for you to do something like that and also have time to, to do your job and cover 40 high schools and Alabama and Mississippi state and UWA. And you, you were like, working. It was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot for a small market kid right out of college. And uh, so I was watching from afar and, you know, unfortunately it ended in a short time, but I just spent those three years in between plotting for what we were going to do. And, you know, I've known Chris up for a long time. We grew up in the same town and he was just very interested in the next step in his journey as well. He had been doing a ton of streaming everything from uh, billiards to video game. I mean, literally you name it. He was like your one-stop shop if you wanted to stream anything. And we connected on this idea. And I think we really sold each other on the vision that sure we could do an NFL show or we could do a college football show, or we could do an NHL show. We could do a WWE show, whatever. We just felt like, why not do an XFL show and grow that market yep. and kind of dive in head first into, you know, an unknown. And maybe if it worked out, maybe we could kind of become the face of XFL media. And if we did things the right way. So I just feel like podcasts and shows and like you said, talk radio, talk television, whatever, is just oversaturated with the same thing. Yep. And I get why it is because that's what moves the needle. Like we have a million college football shows because there's a million college football fans. Same with the NFL. But I just felt like maybe we'll take a chance on this. And if the XFL works, um, we might go to the next level with, the, with both of our careers. And we've always wanted to do this together. But yeah, yeah. Spring Ball Boulevard is just kind of a co-creation of a concept and a vision and ideas of, of kind of the people's XFL show is really the best way that I would, I would describe it. That's a great take. homage to the rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, a great take, bro. And I've seen you, you had a little bit of communication with old rock over Twitter, right? Marty. I should have typed Marty fresh as my name. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I was going to wait for you to say it, brother. <laughs> oh, I hear it every day, every day. In fact, I think probably at least the guys that I run with in my circle, in my closest circle, they've all changed their contact name to Marty fresh on their phone. Uh, I, I was, I was legitimately thinking about a complete rebrand after that. I was like, you know what, Marty, we may just roll with it. <laughs> why correct? Why correct him and risk getting rock bottomed? You know, <laughs> I'm sure when you see him again, that that's your name. So you, like you said, you might as well embrace Call me what you want. I could care less. That yep. is one of the coolest things that's ever happened for sure. So. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm very jealous of that. I know like that scrum, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not fighting the crowd. I'm not going uh, I'm, to, I'm not that type of pro. I'm, I'm I got lucky, dude. Sometimes. I got like pushed up into the front. I remember. I, remember I ended up right place, back. right time somehow. Who knows how. But I, you know, I, I, just... I can't, I, he, he come in and then everybody <laughs> just shoom, swarm, yep. dude. 
Oh yeah. I had a news camera in my spine. I had, I think I got whacked with a boom mic. It was, that was chaos down there. I felt like I was in section 137 at Audi field again. <laughs> It definitely was chaos. I mean, just that portion, the rest was organized well. But yeah. That was crazy. You know, getting pushed off by the security. Like, you got to back up. Yeah, yeah. Feet. You're too close to the rock. You see his bodyguards coming, and I've seen the guy. Oh, yeah. I, I forget his name, but he's everywhere. And I see him, and I'm like, here he comes. Like, yep, he, yep. He follows him everywhere, and it was really cool to see uh, the buzz that just filled the air when he was walking in it's just like you know it's about to be a movie right and it's, it, it feels like a movie every time so agreed with that yeah definitely he brought the fame you know yeah all the way around such a presence yeah no doubt no doubt same thing with danny though they both come in yeah. and, i mean they both have some high the fans hold them in a very high regard and that's feels so awesome. big time with them yeah it feels like it, it feels like if you ever had any doubts about the league, look at these people. Like yep. they, everything they've done has turned to gold, quite literally. And for any doubters, like it's unbelievable. Like even with just Terramana or Zoa or any of the brands that they've, I mean, the movies, like it's yep. just, it's insane to think <clears throat> about both of their resumes together. And, I'm so glad that we pick something <laughs> that gives us the opportunity to have access to them. That's really cool. Agreed with you on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, looking back five years ago, I never would have guessed this would be occurring. When I no heard chance. that news officially that they were buying it, it was, yeah, you know, the, the rock yeah. was on it. Uh, Tiramana had just come out a couple of years previous. I remember I was big on Tiramana. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway. Yeah. It, great times and and it's awesome that you got started how you did and it's good that you picked the niche because i mean where would xfl be today without you you ever think about that i mean <laughs> where a lot of these points a lot of these spreads you did a lot of the things that you presented who would have done that that's that's my my take i remember when you guys were discussing just uh the playoff implications i mean that's i, I we had our own stuff with the show that i was doing I had some guys that figured it out, but looking at your stuff, I could verify and know that it was accurate because you went and busted your ass to try to find out the answers to that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, and that's what it is. Like if you can create original content that people can only get in one place, that's where you set yourself apart. And I feel like anybody can listen to me, you know, run my mouth about the fact that I had a 12 to one DC future for them to win the title and how, when we did our championship preview, all I did was rub it in everybody's face that, you know, I had this 12 to one ticket. Everybody was telling me to cash out. I could have cashed out at six to one, seven oh, to one. Man. Then it went to eight and eight to one. People are in the chat like, you're crazy. You bet a hundred bucks, take the $800. Nope, I'm taking the 12. I'm taking the 12. Anybody can, like the diehards love that. Listen to me be a jackass on the air and sit around talking about how much I, you know, how good I am at gambling and all that where you set yourself apart is you stay up all night and you create an Excel spreadsheet that somehow with the help of AI <laughs> allows you to plug in any score and tells you who's going to make the playoffs. And then you, you end up with <laughs> AJ McCarron and Anthony Beck calling and asking what, what do you know that we don't know what the hell's going on you know so that was that was cool and that was fun and it took a ton of work and again just 
so grateful for my producer, Chris Zook, and how he was able to get the mess of thoughts in my brain out to the audience and, and kind of organize me and put me on the right track to, to make that video. And yeah, that was the big break that we had because I think that a lot of people sat around in that room uh, and XFL HQ and probably said, you know, who's Maddie Fresh and why the hell has he figured out our tiebreaker before we did, you know? So they were even releasing stuff that wasn't accurate. I remember there was some stuff that wasn't correct and you had to kind of set them straight. Uh, And shout out Brian Stahl as well. He's the uh, head of communications for the battle Hawks. The guys just first team, all XFL PR for sure. And the way that he worked with me on that, he could have just shut me out and said, you know, I kind of got that vibe from ESPN that maybe we could have helped and they didn't really want our help because they were just getting information directly from the league and they were going to communicate whatever the league told them. And you definitely had a point in that Seattle game where they came out of half and, and Schriffen and Lugenbell were like, okay, everybody chill out. I don't know if you remember they said that. Yep. That was me. That was me. Gotcha. That was Mike Mitchell. That's everybody blowing them up being like, guys, like we can help you just let like read the message at halftime. I remember that. And even if it takes a 30 second call, you all break this down to you. I'll give you the, you know, the cliff notes on it. I, I didn't want to see them fall on their face and be like, oh, Seattle's definitely in. And then not be like, it could have been a nightmare. Like people yeah. don't realize how close that score could have been. They could have literally gone off the air saying Seattle was in the playoffs and that wasn't the case. Yep. yep. And that would have been detrimental. That yep. would have been the worst thing that could have ever happened. It would have become the biggest meme of the century. Here's the, the XFL screwed it up. So Luckily, Seattle won the game handily enough where it didn't matter, right? But, like, whew, there was a number of score combinations where it might have if Vegas had any sort of offense going that day. But, yeah, I think about that, and I'm like, Brian Stahl and Stahl, he was he was great about, like, the collaboration. And I love when people inside are willing to work with the content creators. Like, we can all work together as a team, and there's definitely a sense of professionalism that goes with that. I respect them. They respect me. That's why we get the player interviews. And I'm very grateful that everybody in the XFL has that similar mindset. Um, And I hope it translates to ESPN because if it does, ESPN still kind of like, um, you know, they they have a set way of doing things Yeah, and they are embracing some of the gambling. And like, I love like Eric McClain standing down on the sideline in Vegas with his under ticket. Like, that's awesome. Like keep doing that stuff. But I think that there should be more collaboration between the league and ESPN to, you know, not just make it an ESPN production, but make it an ESPN and XFL production for sure. I'll say offhand after attending, you know, some Saints stuff as media, the feel of the XFL is what the hell is this? We're not taking it serious. And that that's almost what the general, attitude yeah. i feel like is and not not necessarily from people up high but even fans or or you know other media i would think I, at those events and at those training camps i was the only xfl guy there and uh of course i mean who else is going to be there and i don't know man i it, i think as you like you said it's kind of like hey we made it through this year year two we really right. got to take it serious we can't sit here and just it think doesn't make sense like to me because it's like my, yeah my rebuttal to that is always like do you hate football exactly exactly like what like if you're married you don't you know spend six months with your wife 
and then say, all right, see you next year. Like if you love something, do it, do it all the time. Like life is way too short. So it's like to those people, I would just say, do you, do you not love football? Agreed. Or success. I mean, what, why are you so miserable? Like what, what is holding you back from embracing this thing? Like, and it, yeah, I mean, I guess people just, that, that's the response I've heard. It's too much yeah. football. I just, I don't see it that way. I'll never see it that way. I agree with so, you. There's always agree more to chances. disagree there. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of um, a lot of players that need some looks. We got a lot of people that need game film. We got a lot of injuries that occur. So there's plenty of room across the board. But like I said, I just I think once the NFL and, and the other fans that are with the NFL kind of get aboard, we're going to see a big big change in how big we time. cover this. So that's sure. just my two cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get off hand on some stuff and get back on you. So who inspires you, man? What I know you spoke a little bit about your heroes and such. What who inspires you? I mean, I guess to to do what you do, to to continue dishing out content, songs, whatever. Yeah, and I've mentioned a lot throughout this, but I think for sure my parents. Um, like I said, just having season tickets, uh, my dad taking me to Penn State games ever since I was four or five years old. Um really kind of developed my identity and personality through my dad and, and through the father and son bond of, of just going up to happy Valley on Saturday and watching games. And we still do to this day and we still have season tickets together. And that's such a huge part of my life and, and my mom always being so supportive. So for sure, my mom and dad, and, and they watch every second of every episode. And I know that if, you know, I'm not on my game and, and we don't have a great show that they're still going to be watching. And I always remember that. And I always remember to, to smile and turn it up a notch because my mom, you know, wants to see me happy. So those two for sure, uh, on a more like professional level, um, Tom Phillips is, is probably what you know him by, but I know him as Tom Hannafin. He's a former WWE broadcaster. He's a Penn state alum and he's my mentor. And Tom has been instrumental in the development of me as a broadcaster and as a personality and the back and forth that we have. I just made an intro for his podcast. He does a podcast with a former Penn state player, Justin King called state of states, Penn state football podcast. And uh, he had a a really solid nine year run with WWE and was one of the best broadcasters that they had at the time. He was running SmackDown. Michael Cole was running raw when he was with Corey Graves for a while. And uh, he just like, even at that point in his career was still attending Penn state alumni events when I was a student and was still getting on conference calls with the student radio and the student TV and just gave so much of his time back. And we really connected through that. And I really built my love for wrestling and sports through him. And uh, he's been a huge part of all this. And then he's, Every time I hear like a, a bad broadcaster on television, I'm always like, get Tom Hannafin on the, like on college football on ESPN. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, but yeah, great. He's with impact wrestling now. Gotcha. Um, so he's, he's been instrumental. Uh, Chaz Hepler locally for the local radio station, the sports director there has been just amazing in my career. And then really like some of my idols that, I haven't got the chance to meet yet, but I really admire in this space. I would say Josh Pate. Amazing. Uh, if you watch the show, you probably see that. <laughs> um, we have modeled a ton after what he's done 
it just his whole journey is incredible. Check him out. Late kick with Josh Pate. Definitely will now. Twenty four seven. Gotcha. Um, and then Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee's my guy. I mean, I would love to meet him if, if there was anybody I could have dinner with. It'd be Pat McAfee. I'd love to pick his brain, and I think that his job just seems like such a bless. Like it just seems like everybody would want to do that, right? That loves football. And uh, to see kind of where he came from is really cool. And I watch him three hours every day. I have it on in the background at work. So like, yeah, that, that's the main ones. I think a lot of the stuff Barstool's doing is cool. I think half of it is something I, I don't really, you know, I would never want to really work there. Uh, but I think like some of the guys like Big Cat and PFT and, and uh, some of the unnecessary roughness crew and the things that they're doing over there is really cool. And it kind of, aligns with with my vision for for the spring ball boulevard so yeah that's that's the main ones for sure yeah i'll say barstool they've 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 purchased their company back so i mean i think they're gonna have yeah. some good content coming coming Absolutely. this fall yeah no more filter well. yep yep so it's back to it now on that same regard mcafee what, what he's going to espn do you think that's going to change a little bit i'm glad he did it because i think it'll get more eyeballs on him for sure for um, sure I think he, you know, we'll, we'll see. Like, I think he said, we just have to basically cut the F word out and we're good. So That's if true. he sticks to his word, then it'll be great. I think because they're able to really keep all the guys that built that place and, and made, um, you know, Pat McAfee industries a success, but also have ESPN's production. Right. And like have a lot of guys that are able to transition from running the show, directing the show, producing the show into now simply being talent and yep. and, and have, letting ESPN handle all that on the back end. So, yeah, that'll be really cool because they got a really great crew and I love what they're doing. I love the Aaron Rodgers Tuesday and that'll be interesting to see. I think Aaron, you know, he obviously has a, a tainted relationship with like traditional media and he doesn't like the press. Uh, but, you know, he let hard knocks in. Yep. Maybe it wasn't his choice, but he's been pretty receptive of it from what I've seen. And I think as long as it's Pat McAfee, I think he'll let ESPN in as well. Yeah. So that, that that's the staple of that show. And I think that's the reason that uh, people are so bought in because where else can you go hear Aaron Rodgers talk every single week about exactly what he's going through? Uh, you know, that's something they have, like we just talked about original content, like can't get it anywhere else. Got to go on yep. McAfee. And it's so cool that it's there and it's not, you know, in a press conference or, yep you know, on Colin Coward or on Sports Center, Like the fact that it's on a show that started on YouTube yeah. is amazing. Yeah, he can so. really be a self on there. He doesn't have to be the, the character Aaron <laughs> right. Rodgers. He can be the player and the person. You know, kind of a lot of people didn't like his Joe Rogan, you know, appearance. I did. I thought it was good to yeah. get to know the other side of him. Regardless if you agree with his thoughts and ideals, I mean, yeah. getting to know him as a player is something that you don't really get the opportunity. And he's been playing for a long time now. So, yeah. Yeah. His whole like expect nothing and be grateful for everything message that he really bought into uh, that, that inspired me for sure. I think that's important to to keep in perspective. Yes, sir. Agreed with that. And I got a couple more questions for you, man. Then we'll wrap it up. Okay. We've been on here for an hour and 40, so it's been a good time. (laughs) Making up for all the content I missed the last three months. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, no worries, bro. Since we said that, let me ask you spring Boulevard season two. (laughs) 
When is that coming? Did I give it away? Did I give it away? When when, when will we see this come back to fruition? When will it come back to? Yeah, listen. As long as beer snakes are being built in Audi Field, as long as the Rock is going out to midfield week one with whatever jersey he's got on this time, screaming "Let's ball out, baby." As long as Dean Blandino is getting screamed at within the first 30 minutes of week one about how every call is wrong, you know, <laughs> as long as AJ McCarron's still slinging the pill around, all those things, as long as all that's still going on, Spring Ball Boulevard will be right there awesome. with it forever. Awesome. And awesome. we can we can expect definitely uh, 2024 to be a huge year. Good deal. Uh, for the XFL and for Spring Ball Boulevard. And then I hope to bring the Boulevard Bowl Tour back and, and come out and see all you guys again. I, I met so many of you, and I just love the family that we've kind of created. And, and it'll feel like a family reunion coming back in year two to some of these cities. Oh, I can't agree more. And to be honest with you, I'm actually going to try to do my own tour this year. I've got there that we go. Let's do it. Stole it from you, buddy. But I mean, I want to. Legion Airlines is your friend. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'll definitely remember that. <laughs> uh, I want to see these cities and stadiums. I drove to they're awesome yeah. to uh, to Houston six times, I think, and then San Antonio yeah. once. And and I love it, but hey, I need to get out. I want to go see different parts, so I'll yeah. I'll be shooting to trying to do what you did last year. Yeah, we got everywhere out. but Seattle, and Seattle's definitely on the bucket list for next year. Yeah, uh, that would be that's the toughest one for us, being being uh, based out of Eastern PA. Yeah, that's a little but, bit of a trip. Yeah, like, you know, I'm a D.C. homer, but I, I felt like it was okay to miss a D.C. game, to, to go out and meet everybody and, and to go out and, and experience some of these locations. And, yeah, the memories that I had along the way in, in Vegas and, and well, being in Arlington week one uh, for, for kickoff. And then, you know, from Vegas to Orlando to St. Louis to Houston to everywhere in between, getting to hit the divisional playoffs and the championship game just had the time of my life and um, racked up the frequent flyer miles that I can hopefully <laughs> use this year or next year to come. So yeah, I can't wait to get back out on the road. If uh, you know, I, I'll just take it a day at a time for now, but if that opportunity will be back, we'll absolutely go back on the road. Awesome, dude. Yeah. I hope we get to meet up again for sure. I, I feel like we will yeah. at some point. I don't know where, oh, but, yeah. uh, I know when I first somewhere in the here. catering line, right? <laughs> You got to get it before it's gone, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I first met you, dude, like it was, it was surreal for me to be honest with you. Just a, a lot of y'all. Same thing with like Evan. I haven't met Mike officially. That that's be another big one when I finally get to meet Mike. But yeah, it is weird to put surreal. a face to a name for sure. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And then to be like, hey, I'm a nobody. Nice to meet you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little, that's a little different, you know. But anyway, I've I've learned yeah. the presence is everything, and just be yourself, man. And people will like. No, you. you guys, yeah, you did a hell of a job. And I, I just remember sitting in that press conference after Houston beat Vegas. It was a close game too, and uh, you know everything we thought we knew, like Rod Woodson and that presser talking about being back and and getting McClendon some reps because he was coming back, and and that you know maybe they didn't make the playoffs this year, but they were all invested in next year. And that's the reason that Perez got traded and the reason that he wasn't playing Hunley, you know, and some of the younger guys were getting reps and all this talk about next year. Here we are. No Rod Woodson, probably no Vegas. Like, it's just like, imagine if they would have told us that in that presser, like none of this matters. So don't ask because he's getting fired and, or he's going to part ways with Vegas. And then we might relocate this team. Like, tell us that in week eight you know we were we were bought in on on vegas coming back next year so 
everything changes quickly. And I hope that, you know, it'll be interesting to see from even now until February, what goes down. <laughs> yes, sir. So, and that leads right into my next question. Yeah. Where do you see the XFL in 2025? So not 2024 next year, but two years yeah. from now. Uh, where do you see it? Give me, give me an opinion. I mean, what, in yeah. terms of more teams, uh, relocations, anything, man. 25, I think so. I think 25 will be the last year of eight teams. I think that we'll definitely get three years of eight teams. Um, I think that 25 will be that turning point year where we're going to find out if the XFL is going to be minor league football or not. And I think that there could potentially be a merge at that point with other spring league, the USFL. Uh, So, so 23, 24, 25, I think are going to be the three years that we get under this structure. And then by 26, for sure. I think the NFL completely embraces this thing and, and we have minor league baseball. Why not minor league football? We got the G league in the NBA. You know, I just, I feel like minor league football, it, it just makes sense to, to merge everybody, get 16 teams, 18 teams, 20 teams, whatever it might yep, be. Yep. And, and just have farm systems. Yep. Right. Why not? Why not? That's where yep. I think it'll be for sure. That, that'd be the best way to maintain this thing to keep it going for sure, you know, as we go, as a future. And if that happens, I just hope that the, like this culture stays yeah, and that it doesn't be, it doesn't become NFL minor league. Like I want it to be minor league in the sense that like, you're going to go out and see, you know, Nashville play as the farm team for the Titans. Like I want to see that. Right. But I also like want to see everything that they're doing now stay and Goodell kind of stay out of that, right? Yeah. I, like, I don't really want him in. And I think that's why the XFL doesn't want to be a feeder league. And they, they've kind of like said, we're not a feeder league. And, 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 and they've, they've spoken out against like, oh, well, we're not the NFL. We're, we're just like testing their rules. Is because it's tough with the progress that they've made with the rules, with the gambling, like embracing all that. Like the NFL, they're not going to want anything with all access tied into their stuff. Like, like some of the stuff that we saw in year one, uh, just having all access and even like on the combine stream and, and during the broadcast and, you know, there's some stuff in there that the NFL would just, it would raise a red flag and they'd be like, no way that can't yeah, be on. Like for you sure. can't have your offensive coordinator mic'd up, you know, you can't have, you can't have these play scripts being read out loud. You can't have your quarterback to coach communication being broadcast out loud. Like they don't want any of that. So sure. that's why I'm hoping that if it does become minor league, it's still run by the XFL, but the NFL has bought into the idea and marketed it to their fans. Understood. <clears throat> it makes sense. Uh, the brand needs to stay though. Like you said, especially if I you want so. the fans, I mean, yeah. I feel like next year we'll have an increase in fans for sure, just because, like yeah. you said, the consistency's there. And and the first year in, a lot of us were already fans, and they could have mm-hmm. not done anything, and we still would have been watching. And that's a firm opinion. Yeah, I think mind. a couple markets take a huge jump. I think the Renegades, after their championship, I think they take a massive lead. Yep, yep. Uh, I know, you know, the Roughnecks are up in the air right now with, with where they're going to play, so that'll be interesting. But, like, Orlando's another market that I could see – 
uh, you know, Danny always pushing that as kind of like her hometown and uh, them largely getting like their stars back. Like I, I would assume Dormady would be back. Cody Latimer will be back like the kind of the staples of that team and, and T bucks and, you know, hopefully getting, a little better in year two. So I could see some of these markets, especially like a San Antonio, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like they haven't, they haven't reached their potential yet. No. Uh, like DC, we can only fit 20,000. Like that's our ceiling. But can you imagine that Alamo dome sold out? It would be nuts. Why, why not? Like, why can't they, you know, yeah. it's just like they're last year. It almost felt like they were a couple of stars on offense away Had an amazing defense. Um, you know, some, some studs on the defensive side of the ball, just, ended up playing seven different quarterbacks because of injuries and never had an offensive line that could stay together. So the fans in Texas definitely want to see their team winning. And I think that's why Arlington struggled in attendance at first is because they were four and six. No but doubt. after winning that championship and and I'm sure Perez will be back and coach Stoops will be back and the, all the stars there. Now you got, you know, the, the identity that they've built there, that'll be huge. And yeah, ton of leaps. I think even Seattle probably takes a big leap here next year. Yeah. I like Seattle as a market. I feel like that yeah. that's there. Oh, definitely. You have to be there. Have yeah. to be there. Yeah. I know a few individuals that are from there that I didn't meet last year, but I dealt with quite a few times on the phone or online. And man, they love it. They love sitting out there with their shirts off with that 30 degree wind tunnel just yeah. passing right. I got to get out there for sure. I got to get out there. I've heard a lot. So same thing with DC yeah. though, bro. I, I've got to get there this next year. If there's one place I got to go, it's got to be there. In just my mind. Get ready to party. <laughs> get ready to party, man. It is, it is everything that's great about the East coast and everything that's great about football in uh, the Eastern part of the United States for sure. So. Yes, sir. Well, Maddie, man, it's been a great interview as always with the great ones. Time just flies by, but it's almost two hour mark now. I mean, we got about eight minutes until the two hour mark actually hits. So I think <laughs> we're going to wrap it up, brother. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's fine. Me and like I said, a lot of these topics I could go on for a whole episode. Come on and, back. Uh, yeah. Anytime, let's do it again, dude. man. Please. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm so grateful for the platform that you give me here tonight. And, uh, you know, for those who were wondering maybe like where I was or, you know, Springball Boulevard over. Absolutely not. Good deal. I just, I don't have it in me to do the Lord's work, which is what you do and some other content creators do. <laughs> I don't know if I could sit around and just speculate and talk about, you have to kind of let the guests carry, right? Exactly. I guess. And exactly. it's tough now because especially with XFL players, um, for those of you out there watching that don't know, it's a very streamlined process. How you get a player interview, right? There's, there's a contact. And you build a relationship with that contact and that contact can do wonders for you. Well, when these players, half of them are in training camp, half of them, you know, are back with their families, not knowing, am I going to get a call? Am I coming back to the XFL? It's not necessarily like they have a contact. So now you got to kind of lean on your relationships with those players. And I'll tell you what, before we go, the stars of this league, have been phenomenal. I point to like AJ and Jacor Pearson as two of them that I've been able to stay in touch with and that have no problem at all telling you exactly how they're feeling. And there's been a trust that's been built there. And man, I told AJ, I was like, man, I know you can't play forever, but 
I think you could you could co-host the show someday. Yeah, the, the way that he breaks down film and the way that he is, he's such a personable guy. And I, I just relate to him so heavily. And I'm like, man, like Kirk Herbstreet did it. Why can't AJ McCarron be a former quarterback up there? You know, like get him on the air someday. Yeah. So yeah, but like even Jacor Pearson, man, what a guy. Like, yeah, you know, has kept me posted on on his journey and how the NFL just is sleeping on his size. And it's Agreed. just so disappointing to me thinking about guys like T.Y. Hilton, you know, and and a Wes Welker and a Steve Smith, like, and, and, and they're worried about Pearson's size. Like, he hasn't proven it already. So to hear these things and kind of what these guys are going through has been really awesome. And uh, I hope to build more relationships with players directly and, uh, and, and hopefully be able to uh, – to get some great interviews coming up next year i'll be watching sir and and, <laughs> and uh, i haven't got to the point where i can actually get the players that i want yet in terms of you know it's the tough. big names yeah and yeah. It's, it's been hard just like i said you come in from the bottom people are like who is yeah. this guy you're gonna get on right. the air and embarrass this guy or this director of player personnel like what are you gonna do so i, yeah. I get it i don't take any of it personal i know it's a building process it's fake uh, it till you make it, brother. That's right. what it is. And it's like, you know, if it takes the way I, I looked at it when we would produce the show, I would tell Zuck, if it takes all these graphics and bells and whistles and all this stuff to make us look legitimate enough to do these, fine. Even if it takes us eight hours to make all this stuff, if it gets us one player interview because, oh, wow, looks like these guys are on TV, that's fine. It's yeah. worth it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to fake it till you make it, man. That's I understand. It <laughs> and, and then that, that, I've learned that the hard way myself. You yeah, know? Yeah. At first coming in, I was like, why won't they talk to me? Well, I get it. I get yeah. it. And, and I'm here for it. And that's why I've interviewed <laughs> almost every XFL personality that I possibly have, have uh, that I have in my arsenal. I mean, yeah. I, there's a few Don't more that I have left coming up in October, but come November, dude, it's like I'm gonna have to have some reruns of guests, and that's fine with me. I love it. Uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm hoping to get a good co-host and and some other staff to be able to run this show with me. You know, kind of like you do. You know, have a producer that's yeah. kind of helping you in the. You back have to have a great team around you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, Maddie, man, I appreciate you so much, dude. Guys, check out Maddie Fresh if you haven't. I'm sure you already have. Spring Ball Boulevard. We're waiting for season two, sir. So just. Let me know when it drops. All right. I'll be waiting for that Absolutely. teaser. Bit. Hey, I appreciate you having me, Matthew. Best of luck to your Arkansas State the rest of the year. I'm hoping Penn State can pull a playoff bid in the last year of the four team. And luck, uh, we'll absolutely catch up with you and we'll keep in touch and I'll catch up with you down the road, uh, maybe sometime after the draft or, or whenever we get to it. Yes, sir. We'll be in touch. And like I said, man, come on anytime if you need a platform, even if it's a 10 minute spot, feel free. I'd love to have yeah. you. Absolutely, man. Hey, take it easy. Enjoy your night. Appreciate you, brother. All right, guys. That wraps it up for me and Maddie Fresh. Appreciate you, Maddie, for coming on, man. Great interview. Oh, uh, as always, thanks to the XFL for letting me cover, as well as XFL board for putting us on our site, giving us some good information and articles and pieces to discuss. Uh, both great groups, so check them out. <clears throat> Uh, appreciate you guys watching and listening. It's been a run and, and I'm going to keep going as far as I can whipping out this content. I hope that it's productive enough and it gives people some entertainment. I mean, 
if you have any feedback, you want to see anybody specific, or if, even if you want to come on, if you have a good opinion and, and like I said, a background or some kind of resume to do this, would love to have you. So get in touch. But anyway, guys, girls, whoever's listening, I appreciate you greatly for watching. I will see you all September 15th. We've got Charles Heaton the third coming on. And that should be a really good one. That's my first Friday episode, so check that out. Not sure how it'll go, but should be a good time. We're not going to show episodes on Sunday or Thursday anymore going forward with the NFL and as well as Monday. So because I'm an NFL fan and I'm going to watch that. And so not going to be doing any episodes those days. Check for episodes probably Tuesday, Friday and Saturday, something like that. Uh, but as we go, I mean, I'm not just going to keep making content that's unnecessary unless I have something productive or have a guest that wants to speak. I'm not going to have an episode. That's just the way it's going to be. I don't feel like, you know, I, I love doing this and I love talking, but I, I'm not the star of this show. The guests are the XFL is the players that I talk to, whether it be IFL guys, AFL guys, people from Mexico, whatever. That That's really what I'm about here. And this identity is is really come about and I, i'm enjoying it greatly so as always guys appreciate you come back and see me september 15th if you need anything check out the facebook the twitter youtube got the instagram but not too big on it yet it's just busy I'm doing most of this alone as well uh, in terms of production and, and, and content and guests so anyway thanks again guys till next time have a good night